Freedom Girls Sisterhood, and I'm so glad that you've joined me. I am Dawn Scott Damon, your host tonight, but I'm also your freedom coach. Now, you might be saying, hey, what's a freedom coach? I don't know how it is for you, but you know, sometimes I just need a voice in my life, someone to encourage me, someone to kind of nudge me along, provoke me to good works, and be a voice of hope and accountability in my life. So that's what I hope to do. This is a program where I try to say things to nudge you, to stimulate your thinking, and to give you courage to do the things that will shake off bondages, shake off the ropes that tie us up, tie you up, keep you limited, and cause freedom to emerge in your life. Be someone who may encourage you to take that leap or that step of faith. I think that's a valuable resource for all of us to consider somebody in our life that will tell us the truth even when we don't want to hear it. You know, it's so much easier to give the truth, isn't it? And if you think about how someone needs to hear something and maybe you're the person to bring it to them, sometimes we're the one that needs to hear something, aren't we? And somebody has to bring it to us. So let's be people who are women of God who are like sponges for spiritual things. You know, we don't let everything come into us. We don't let anything or anyone have access to us. But for those that we know and those that we trust, to soak up the good words, to soak up the wonderful wisdom that others can offer, to soak up those words of truth that can saturate our being. And like I said a moment ago, give us the courage to get going in some areas of our life. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Can you feel it? Sometimes we just need that wonderful kick in the blessed assurance. You know, someone to say, you've got more inside of you than what you're letting on. I can't tell you how many people I've met that have so many gifts inside of them. They have so many skills and abilities and talents, really, that God has given them. But for whatever reason, they're just sitting on their gift. They're not doing anything with it. They're not letting God use them and... I'm going to take a guess, it's a hunch, but I believe sometimes we don't use the things that God has given us or put inside of us because of fear and intimidation. And that intimidation doesn't just come from the outside, sometimes it comes from the inside. That's right, sometimes that intimidating voice is coming right from our own self. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. How do you overcome the inner critic. How do you overcome that voice that's in our head that's shaming us and scolding us and disciplining us and telling us you could have done better, you should have done better, who are you to think you can do this or what? how crazy are you to believe that you have the skills or the ability or the voice Now you just stop it and get back into your corner. Don't try to be somebody you're not. On and on it goes, that inner critic, that voice that's programmed to really reflect, I will say, the accuser of the brethren. You know, one of the names for Satan is that accuser of the brethren. He's the one that just accuses us and shames us before ourselves and before God night and day. And sometimes we pick up where he leaves off because we've been raised in environments and we've had experiences where, like a sponge that I talked about a moment ago, instead of being a spiritual sponge to soak up all of the good things, we've been a sponge that has soaked up 
past some of the negative things. So we're going to talk about that tonight. I hope you'll stay with me. Call somebody, say, hey, the Freedom Girls is on. Or you can also listen to our podcast simply by going to thefreedomgirlsisterhood.com. And you'll see the archives there of all the podcasts. Or you can go to my blog talk radio. Again, Freedom Girls Sisterhood. Visit my face page, Freedom Girls Sisterhood, or the Freedom Project, and you can write me a note there. So let's get into this tonight. You know, we've all heard that little immortalized childhood ditty that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right? You've heard that before. Well, I'd like to offer a different a ditty, if you will, or saying that says this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never leave me. They'll destroy me, they'll haunt me forever, and they'll crush and break my spirit. How about that one? I know it's not as catchy, is it? But it's more true, if I can say it that way. This is a truer statement than anything else. Who are we kidding? By now we've all learned that words do indeed hurt us. Some survivors that I've been in small groups with or women who've experienced either domestic violence or childhood trauma or abuse or for whatever reason just struggled with their self-esteem, they can tell you often when you speak to them that there have been words that have been clinging to their life and their mentality, their belief about themselves, their self-esteem for absolute years. Words like you're fat, ugly, stupid, unintelligent, clumsy, you know, you're the big one, you're plain, your sister's beautiful, but you're, you know, you're, you're plain. You know, are words even more sinister than that? You're good for nothing, you're useless, you're unworthy, you're trash, you're damaged goods, you'll never amount to anything, you're never wanted in the first place, you are a oops baby. You know, on and on it goes. I think we can all say these words pierce our heart and they stick with us. But as I mentioned a moment ago, like a sponge, children have this open, receptive ability to soak in whatever they're near. You know, if you take a sponge and you put it next to pure, clean water, it will absorb it. And when you wring it out, guess what will come out? Pure, clean water. But if you put that sponge next to acid or poison, guess what? the sponge will soak in acid or poison. And when you uh, twist it, squeeze it, guess what? Guess what comes out? Poison, acid. Well, that's how children are. If they are around a negative environment, a toxic environment or a family life, that the words are poisonous and they're, they're acid, they burn and they hurt, a child is going to absorb that. They have no choice. They are made like a sponge, and they will take into themselves whatever is around them. Well, what was your atmosphere when you were growing up? Maybe it was positive, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe when you're squeezed and you're really wrung out, you'll find out what's really inside of you, and maybe it is bitter poison. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's pure. But most of us will have some pollution in us, if you will. There'll be mixture. After a while, you know, we don't need to be in the environment. The environment is in us. 
And so anytime that I don't like myself, anytime I look in the mirror, or anytime I'm in a situation that's new to me or that's uncomfortable for me, guess what? My inner critic will take off right where the other critical people left off. That environment, that teacher, that friend, that sister, that parent, that grandparent, whoever it was. Now, mind you, let me just stop for a moment and say we've all absorbed good things too, I hope. You know, even as I say that, I know that's not completely true. There are some people who have been raised in homes where they can't remember one positive thing being sewn into them. And that just makes me weep. That's such a tragedy. But I'm here to tell you tonight, whoever you are, whoever's listening, that those things that were sewn into you that are negative, they are lies. They're lies from the accuser of the brethren. And as long as those labels and those words are going on in our head and we're rehearsing them, furthermore, we believe them. They've become part of our identity. We've owned them. And like I said, we pick up right where that voice left off. We say it to ourselves. We call ourselves that. That's where we have to stop and we have to replace those lies with the truth because it is not what God says about us. God's word tells us that we're loved and that we're beautiful and that if we turn to him, we will become radiant, that we are God's prized possession, that we belong to him as his, his utmost treasure. That's who we are. We're intelligent. We're wise. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're lovable and forgivable, and we have gifts and talents that have been put inside of us. We have abilities and skills. We're capable. We are women who are wise and beautiful. That's the truth of who we are. But this inner critic, have you heard it? Can you identify it? What are you doing when your inner critic shows up? I'll tell you that whatever you're doing, that might be a clue about how Satan fears you. Did you know that? Because when the inner critic shows up, he doesn't just show up for anything, although, you know, just out of sport, your inner critic may come and say, oh, you're a terrible cook. And and that's not that big of a deal, unless, of course, you own a restaurant. Then it's a, <laughs> it's a big deal. But for me, my inner critic will show up when it really matters, when I'm writing or I'm preparing a sermon. And why does it really matter? Because it's my passion. It's that thing I feel called to do. It's the reason why I believe I'm on this earth, the thing that God has put inside of me to do. And that's where the battle is, and that's where the pushback is from the enemy. And the enemy will come like a fiery dart, and he will aim that missile right into our spirit and our soul. And sometimes the voices that you hear are definitely demonic. They are from the enemy. But so often it's our own inner critic, it's our own psychology, it's our own person speaking to us out of our brokenness and out of a critical fault-finding spirit because we're not perfect yet. Because compared to others, we don't do it as well as they do, so we're tempted to quit. Because we're embarrassed and a little shy yet with our gift and we're a little shy of putting it out there. Or we received a criticism once and it crushed us. Have you ever stopped to think about why Criticism crushes and hurts so bad, you know, because it's so specifically personal. Um, I heard this on Rick Warren the other day, and so he was telling us that for every time you hear a positive comment, that those positive comments are kind of given a point system. And let's say you need 100 points a day to feel good, okay? 
Well, when you get a positive comment, it's usually about a one or a two or maybe even a 10-point comment. And so as you go throughout your day, you build yourself up until you reach your 100. But every time you hear a critical point, or excuse me, a critical comment, it's negative points. So it doesn't add to you, it takes away. So you think, I hear one positive comment, that's one positive point. Or if I hear one negative comment, then I lose a negative point. But guess what? That's not how it works. What experts tell us is that the negative has much more value or power to it, negative value to it. So for every negative comment you hear, you're losing a negative 50 to 100 points. That's right. It wipes out your whole bank full of positive comments. Have you ever wondered why 10 people can say something nice and only one person will criticize? And what will you remember all day long? You'll remember that one critical comment. And that's because it does more damage to you. It has more psychological and emotional impact. It's a 100-point impact versus a a 10-point impact from a nice comment. That's why the inner critic is so well-developed at this point in our life because it holds on to and it remembers every negative thing, every label and critical remark. It takes intentionality on our part to forget those, to put them away, to Say, I will not focus on that negative. I refuse to rehearse and repeat and dwell on and meditate on that one negative comment. I'm going to put that away. I believe that's why the Bible tells us in Philippians, whatever's good, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's trustworthy, if anything is noble or worthy of praise, think on these things. These are the things that we are to fill our mind with. The Bible has to tell us how to think. It has to tell us how to intentionally take our thoughts and aim them specifically and train ourselves how to have good thinking, wholesome thinking, powerful thinking, right thinking. Because the negative is so easy to do, it's so available, and it's so incredibly impacting. So listen, what does that mean for you? If you live your life based on every negative thing you've been told or every negative thing that you hear, you'll never do anything. You won't take the risk. You'll be beat up and beat down and you'll be paralyzed and you'll settle for mediocre. You will live a life in mediocrity and average and as I say, beige instead of living flamboyantly in the spirit, not haughty, but full and vibrant and wonderfully, you'll settle and you'll just exist. Now listen, do you think that Jesus shed his blood for you so that you could just exist? Come on, somebody. Do you think that Jesus gave us all so that you could have low, small level living? I don't think so. So I want you to identify your critic. When does he show up or when does she show up? What are you doing when you feel the pushback? Pay attention to that because that's a clue of how God wants to use you. Where do you hear the inner critic for others? That's a clue of how God wants to use them. Is it any secret that the enemy would want to reveal every negative aspect and characteristic of your spouse so that you'd open your mouth and be that critic so that he would remain paralyzed? 
No. Every time you hear that for yourself or for another person, why don't you flip the script? And why don't you stop yourself and say, hold it just a minute. I'm about to be used of Satan to thwart God's plan in my life or in this person's life. And I'm not going to say what I was about to say. Instead, I'm going to arrest that thought. I'm going to put it under the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to open my mouth. And I'm going to release words of power and life in Jesus' name. Instead of that inner critic, I'm going to speak truth. Whatever's pure, that's what I'll say. Whatever's loving, that's what I'll say. Whatever is of good report, that's what I'll speak. I'll not let the accuser of the brethren use my mouth or my tongue or my influence to criticize someone or criticize myself. So how do you do that? You press through the awkward negative feelings. Feelings are subject to change. They are not facts. They are not truth. Feelings are feelings, and feelings move, and they give way. And so when I start to replace that inner critic with the voice of Jesus, how he would say it, not a parent, not a critical parent, not a nagging spouse, not a demeaning, mean-spirited teacher or mentor or someone who may have been jealous or threatened, threatened by you. I don't listen to that voice. I don't listen to the childhood taunting and bullying of kids in the neighborhood. I listen to the voice of truth. Now, if you don't hear that voice of truth, it's because you haven't been feeding yourself the words of life. Where do you find the words of life? You find them in the word of God. Specifically, you'd find them in the red letters, if you will, of your Bible, those wonderful words of Jesus Christ, those words that he spoke. Read the words of Jesus. See the compassion. See the love. Listen to how he was non-judgmental of people. And he was more strict with religious, religiosity, religious people who were um, more concerned about do-gooding than true life. Silence your inner critic by instead choosing the words of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to say more to you, but we're going to take a break right now. Again, this is Pastor Don Scott Damon. I am your freedom coach speaking to you tonight on how to silence the trash talk and release your inner voice of truth instead of the inner critic. Stay with me. I will be right back. The Freedom Girls Sisterhood Conference is coming this fall. To be a part of the registration, visit freedomgirlsisterhood.com. Watch for the newsletter, and you will be a part of the conference this fall. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Hey, we've been talking about how to hush the internal critic or how to identify your inner critic, be aware of how it speaks to you, and then... Change the script, learn to silence that voice and to accept the voice of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you just a few examples of what you can do. Next time you hear your inner critic, stop for a moment and recognize, first of all, what am I doing? Write down what you're doing and then write down what you hear the inner critic say. Now I want you to compare the two and see if there's any correlation in what you're doing to what you're hearing. Identify the fear that you might be feeling. See if there's an, an 
inadequacy that you're experiencing? Why are you shaming yourself? Have you been embarrassed in front of people or did you look bad in front of the public or did you feel um, humiliated by someone? Pay attention to that. And for every emotion that you think you were feeling or everything that you were doing, instead of the inner critic, I want you to write down something that you could have said instead of that. We often hear that if you say something negative, your brain likes um, parallel living. I don't know how to say that. It likes, it likes continuity. So if you say, I'm fat, but you're really not fat, your brain will go to it to see that it makes you fat so that what is is equal to what you say. If you say, you know, I'm an idiot, I can't do anything, your brain will go to work to make sure that that happens. You see it take place, uh, for example, if you buy a new car, before you had a uh, black uh, Lincoln, you never saw them on the road. But now you bought one, and everywhere you look, you see that. That's the law of attraction. That's your brain pulling to itself what has now come into its awareness. So when you begin to speak negative to yourself, you'll begin to find out, or you will find out, that you have been drawing to yourself negative situations, negative interpretations, somebody will reject you, and instead of it just being life and something happened, you'll interpret it as, see, there it is again, I knew it, that's the way it is, and you will look for things, your brain will look for things, and it will interpret it for you as something negative. That's why internal, inner critic, negative self-talk is so damaging to you. It will limit you. It will thwart you. It'll stop and frustrate the plan of God in your life. So as your freedom coach, I just want to say, stop it. (laughs) Okay, just don't do it. Say, make a a pact with yourself. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to speak nurturing words over myself, and I'm going to stop this destructive behavior because it's a self-loathing, self-hate, and it's not right. I'm, I'm asked of God to love, and that includes myself. I need to love me better. So stop and think about what you're doing when you hear your critic and what is your critic saying. And now instead of that negative thing, think about what you could have written. You could have said, hey, good job, body. You are strong and you are healthy and I love how you carry me around. Good job, body. Now let's do this together and let's eat better and let's burn more calories. (laughs) Instead of saying, I'm fat, okay? You see the difference, and I'm being a little facetious, but I think that you get the point. It's very important to have positive self-talk. Instead of saying, boy, am I an idiot, I screwed that up, you could say, you know what, I learned something, and I had a really good experience to know next time I'm going to do it differently. How can I do this better? If you ask a better question, if you make a better statement, you get a better answer. So I want you to think about what we've been saying today. Finally, sisters, the Bible says, whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's good, whatever's noble, think on these things. In Ephesians 4.23 says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's useful and helpful for building others up. And you're the other today. You're the one. Only what would build yourself up, not to be haughty but to be strong mentally, physically, and spiritually strong and healthy for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. It's time to silence that critic, and it's time to push through. Don't believe everything you hear it say. So often it speaketh lies to you, okay? It's not telling you the truth. It's coming from a negative, dark, broken place, 
and you need to say that. That's not my thought. That's not my voice. That's not what Jesus says to be true about me. I don't receive that. And today, I'm not going to allow that to operate in my life. So you're going to stand on the word instead, and you're going to cast that thing down. Now, the inner critic will come to you in your relationships, in your workplace. It will come to you in your artistic place, in your creative place, in your spiritual life. It will come to you in your dream place when you're pursuing a passion or a dream that you've had. And it will tell you things like you can't, you're too old, you're the wrong gender, you're the wrong size, you're the wrong status, you don't make enough money, you don't have enough money, you're not big enough, you're not small enough, you're not talented enough, you're not adequate, you're not capable, you're not good enough, nobody will buy it, nobody cares, nobody will listen, who are you? All of those things, listen, recognize that is the inner critic. Now, here's what I'm not saying. Do not cast aside wisdom. Listen, be honest about yourself. Take a fearless moral inventory about who you are. For example, uh, if I decide that I want to be a brain surgeon at 50 years old plus, that's a little far-fetched. And it's not that I can't do it, but I'd really have to say, hmm, is that God? Have I consulted with friends that I trust and respect? Do others see the same gift in me? Has it been confirmed? It's not just, you know, some crazy out there outlandish dream. If it's God, it'll stand the test. Does it line up with the word of God? Do people that I trust confirm it? Do I sense God is in this? Is my spouse happy with it? Those things matter, and there's wisdom in the consulting of counselors when it comes to those kinds of dreams. But don't consult the naysayer. Don't don't talk to those that are the faithless, the doubters, the doubting Thomases in your life. Don't ask for the opinions of people unless that's what you want to get, opinions of people. If you want the wisdom of God, talk to people and pray about who God would lead you to and ask God to confirm it to you through his word, through leadership, through a spouse, through a trusted individual. And then dream big, live large, and go after it and tackle your goals and do not listen to the inner critic. Amen? Well, I am glad that you have been with us today. I want to remind you that Jesus has great things in store for you. So I want you, Freedom Girl, I want you, Sisterhood, to bind together, join the club, be among the free, the full, live large, live as God intended for you to live, never give up, never quit. Yes, discouragement will come. Disappointment will come. But know this, God promises he's working in your life. And all of these things combined together will lead you to your promised land. God promises it. You can trust him. He is good all the time. God bless you, sisters. I love you. This is Don Scott Damon saying, hey, come see me at Tribe Church, tribeschurch.tv, where I preach. I'll be preaching on July 14th. I'd love to see you there. And uh, stay tuned for the Freedom Girls Sisterhood Conference coming up this fall. God bless you. Have a great week.